Yeah, it's sports talk from the three bros. Something you can bet on like Pete Rose. And you better not miss it like some free throws. Giving taste is more accurate than Drew Brees throws. And it might get explosive like some C4. We just giving you a look inside the peephole. So if you got a weak take, you better keep those. Or get your cheeks swole when you step into the ring with the Amiibros. What up? What up? What up? I feel like Martin Lawrence. But what's up? It's your boy 85 from the Amiibros podcast. Getting ready to give you guys your dose of sports this week. From one of the Amiibros, the one who's as hot as fish grease on these picks. Last weekend, if you checked out this podcast, I was 4-0. 5-0 on college picks altogether because I made one of the picks on the actual Amiibros podcast. I had Oregon upsetting Utah straight up. That happened. I had Clemson covering the 28.5 points versus Virginia. That clearly happened. I had App State beating U- University of Louisiana Lafayette and covering the spread, which was 7 points or 6.5 points. They covered by getting 7. Uh, I had um, other bowl game. I had Baylor covering 10 points versus Oklahoma. They did. And I believe the last one of the Power Fives, I had LSU dominating Georgia and covering the 7.5 points, whatever it was. Uh, and they clearly did. So, I'm as hot as fish grease. I got some picks this week. Obviously, only one college football game, Army-Navy. We'll get into the picks for that. I got a couple bonus picks for you guys that, uh, just just in case you guys, I mean, you've been making a living off my picks. Uh, the guy uh, is hitting at 85% on these picks for the last six weeks. Um, you know, I, I don't want to leave you guys starving. I want to want to at least put some money in your pockets so you can, you know, you can fly out to Vegas and you know legally gamble. Um, you know, because I know nobody gambles illegally. So hey, just get that out of the way. And and speaking of illegal gambling, that's what the the folks in the business call a segue. I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of a Ponzi scheme, but a Ponzi scheme uh, is something to where. You know, a lot of people look at it as, as multi-level marketing as a Ponzi scheme. And sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But a Ponzi scheme is where there is something that is being built on top of something that's fictitious. There, you know, it's a business that's being built off of, um, you know, let's say they have losses. And, and they're, they're doctoring up these financial statements to show they're continuing to, to make money. And what's happening is, you know, Enron did this where it was a public company. And everybody keeps putting money into the company. And eventually, you know... You're taking this money and you're, you're paying back this investor and, and it, it works for a while until everyone realizes, oh, wait a second, this is a Ponzi scheme. They're not actually making any money. Uh, there's something going on right, like, like that right now with not quite a Ponzi scheme. I'm not going to call this a Ponzi scheme, but Tesla. Tesla just started turning a profit, but they're always, you know, the, the stock values kept going up and kept going up. You know why? Because everybody kept pouring money into the company. And you know what else is this? The SEC football is a Ponzi scheme. What? What? I'm not going to tell you guys that the SEC is not really good. The SEC is the best college football conference in America, but it is undeniable at this point that it's a Ponzi scheme. Why do I say that? Well, first and foremost, why is Georgia, after that performance this weekend, still ranked number five in the country in the college football playoffs? I mean, they can't throw the ball. They can't catch the ball. Their defense is pretty good, but there's not a Roquan Smith on that defense. There's not one player. There's not DeAndre Baker. There's not one player that, that's projected to be a first-round pick off of that defense. And, you know, you watch the game where obviously they got outcoached. Obviously they couldn't defend the pass. And they couldn't hardly put up any points. It was a disastrous effort versus LSU. But you know why this happens? 
Why was Georgia number four before this week? It's because the SEC is a Ponzi scheme. Let me explain. Preseason, every year, the SEC has six teams, top 13, 14 in the country, and those six teams have done nothing to get that ranking. It's all based on provocations, predictions of all these pundits who tell you, oh yeah, you know, this team is going to be fantastic. Auburn has Bo Nix, the number one pro uh, uh, dual threat quarterback out of high school, and they're going to be amazing. And look at this team. And look at Georgia. They got Jake Fromm, who everybody before the season was telling me was a first-round pick at quarterback. I had an argument at my friend's engagement party with somebody who told me that Jake Fromm was just way better than Justin Fields. I had no idea what I was talking about when I told him they made a terrible mistake letting Justin Fields get out of the door and that Justin Fields is a pro quarterback. I said, I thought Jake Fromm was a fringe starting quarterback in the NFL, but now I think I may have even been overselling him at that point. But back to the point, this is what happens every year. The SEC gets six teams that are really highly ranked. Those teams, and I'll go this year, were LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, um, who else preseason? I mean, preseason they had uh, you know a couple other teams that were even ranked. Uh, Missouri was ranked at one point this year. Florida clearly is preseason ranked top ten. Don't uh, don't don't throw a few of those teams in there. And what happens is those teams schedule nobody out of conference. Alabama's toughest out of conference game this year was Duke. Duke was one of the worst teams in the ACC. They knew Duke was going to be one of the worst teams in the ACC when they scheduled it, but they scheduled Duke. Uh, you have all these teams and they schedule all these cupcakes. And then they play each other. And eventually, one of those teams will get one win versus one of those other teams. Florida will get a win versus an Auburn because Auburn has a terrible quarterback. And, you know, you force them to a couple turnovers and you end up winning a game. So then what happens is you play one or two of the other quote-unquote great SEC teams. And then after you play those teams, your ranking goes up. And then when you lose to the other ones, your ranking doesn't really go down. You know why? Because you lost to another really good team, according to the rankings. Because you lost to, a, you know, you lost to the number 10 team in the country. You lost to Georgia. And that didn't factor in the fact that Georgia can't throw the ball. And Georgia can't run the ball very well compared to the players they have. I mean, they have four NFL running backs, and they struggle to run the ball. Uh, okay, well, let, let's see this. Let, let's, let's look at the, the numbers and say, you, you have one of those schedules, and you play Arkansas, who was one of the worst teams in the country. Lost to Portland State this year. Or, I think they barely beat Portland State. They lost to another FCS team. Um, they lost to Western Kentucky by 30 points. You have Kentucky, not a very good team. You have Tennessee, not a very good team. You have Ole Miss, not a very good team. Mississippi State, not a very good team. Like, I could go through the entire... Missouri, who lost to Wyoming, not a very good team. You go through, you play eight games in conference. Those eight games consist of five cupcakes, three decent teams. Those three decent teams, you go one and two, you end up the season like, I don't know, Florida. You end up 10th, 9th in the country. And then what happens, you get to the playoffs, or not, not, not the actual playoffs, the, the BCS games. You lose, but nobody notices because you know why? They lost because the SEC was so daunting that everybody beat up on everybody. And so they were just so exhausted from that, they couldn't continue to win. Auburn a couple years ago plays UCF, gets blown off the field by by the, the lowly UCF. But you know what? It was because they were so tired. They didn't really want to be there. Alabama a couple years ago, uh, you know, they didn't make they, they got blown out by Utah some years back. Oh, it didn't matter. Got blown out by Trevor Knight in Oklahoma. Oh, it didn't matter. They didn't want to be there. They were too beat up. Oklahoma gets blown out by Clemson last year. Oh, you know, it doesn't matter. You know why? They were just too tired. 
mentally drained from the grind of the SEC. Last year, Georgia placed Texas. Texas stomps them out from, from the, the, the opening opening kick. No, oh, they were just so tired. SEC, so physical. Alabama gets beat by 28 points, but Clemson comes back and says, Georgia was by far the most physical team we faced all year long. And we buy into this. We buy into it. We allow them to continue this farce about how good the SEC is when they are the best conference, I will say, but they're not good. They haven't been good for years. There was a time where the SEC was deep with really, really legit coaches. There was a time where you could look up and you said, all right, SEC has uh, obviously Nick Saban uh, when he first got to Alabama were winning. He had Urban Meyer, who was also the top two co coach in the country at the time, winning all the titles at Florida. Uh, you had uh, Mark Richt at Georgia who had them, I mean, one play away from beating Alabama and probably winning the national championship versus Notre Dame in 2011. Uh, you had Les Miles, who was winning titles at LSU. Um, you had Dan Mullen, who had just gotten to Mississippi State, but obviously was putting together good teams with, uh, you know, Dak Prescott and the crew. Um, a lot of people don't realize how, how talented that, that Mississippi State team was. Uh, that team had Fletcher Cox. That team had Chris Jones. Uh, I mean, they, they had pro bowlers a lot of places on that team. Um, then, you know, you, you looked at Ole Miss. They had, uh, not Houston Nutt, the guy uh, now... Uh, that's at Hugh Freeze, who's at uh, Liberty. I mean, they, they, they had a lot of great coaches, and they were they were winning a lot of games. And they were they really were, by far, the best conference in football. But since then, a lot of those coaches have left. And you know what you saw two years ago, three years ago, that everybody tends to forget? SEC was trash used. They had Florida with, at the time, before Mullen got there, um, the coach that came from Colorado State, and I'm, I'm blanking on his name, um, he was trash. Um, then you had... LSU, right before they uh, fired Les Miles, where they continued to struggle. You had Auburn, where they were trying to get rid of Gus Ma uh, Malzahn for three straight years because he was struggling. You had uh, Mississippi State, who was winning games after that, but winning about seven, eight games a year with Nick, Nick Fitzgerald, especially when he, he broke his leg. You had Ole Miss, who then was put on sanctions. You had Tennessee, who clearly was struggling with Bush Davis. And you had all these teams that were terrible. But Bama carried the conference, and Bama would win the national title, and people would say, the SEC still won the national title. But what's happening now? Clemson's dominating the ACC, the same way Alabama was dominating the SEC, but Clemson never plays anybody. They just, they, they I mean, forget that they scheduled two SEC teams at a conference. Forget that they're the only team in college football who played 11 FBS Power 5 uh, teams this season, the only one. They just, they just don't play anybody, you know? The ACC is so terrible. Except Florida, who's a top 10 team, was a play away from losing to Miami, one of the worst teams in the ACC. Notre Dame, who was a huge win for Georgia, they were down with 50 seconds to go versus Virginia Tech and their third-string quarterback with their starting quarterback missing the game. Oh, but that was, that was at Notre Dame. But Notre Dame getting beat by Georgia at Georgia was just such a big win for Georgia. You know why? Because it fits the narrative. And here we go again. LSU... Everybody's telling me about how great LSU is, and I like Joe Burrow. But there's a reason why Joe Burrow wasn't projected as a top five round pick before this season. And now he looks really good. I think he's going to be a good NFL player. But he's a system quarterback because if he wasn't, last year in that system, he would have looked better than an average SEC starting quarterback. And now I'm supposed to believe that this team is going to beat the team that came back after winning 28 points 
over Bama in the national title game. They came back with basically the same core outside of the defensive line, but the defense is better at basically every statistical category. And I'm supposed to believe that now LSU is going to beat Clemson in a national title game. I'm supposed to believe in Ohio State because, oh, they played in the Big Ten, which is such a strong conference. Except Penn State, another top ten team, played Pitt this year at Penn State, and Pitt had the ball under two minutes to go in the game on the Penn State one-yard line to tie it up. But these ACC teams, they're just terrible. They're just terrible. I mean, who was Clemson playing? How are you struggling in games? I mean, yes, Georgia lost to South Carolina, but Clemson, how, do you, how dare you have a close game with UNC, even though UNC beat South Carolina? How dare you? I'm going to tell you this. Clemson's going to win the national championship. It's not going to be that close. And we need to get over this Ponzi scheme of the SEC. Because they are the best conference. But not by much. They're not that great. In reality, it's Clemson and everybody else. Right now, there's three good teams this year. But on a consistent basis, you can count on Clemson and Alabama, really. And Alabama's defense has fallen off the last three big games. They've averaged giving up around... 45 points a game. Um, it's really Clemson's world. Everybody else is just living in it. Next, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, I love revisionist history. I, you know, I, I had an argument with my uh, twin brother, Jeremy, uh, also a member of the Ami Bros podcast, when you check it out. He's telling me about how Kawhi Leonard is still the best player in the world. And how, how do we just not say that Kawhi is the best player in the world? How is this an argument? You know, because Kawhi Leonard won finals MVP his second finals MVP. And historically, he even told me he had the audacity to say, if Kawhi wins a title this year and wins the finals MVP, he surpasses LeBron James all time, which is obviously laughable. But you know what I love? I love revisionist history. I love how we can go back and we can have a narrative and we can just flip it. And then we look back on it in, in the future and say, oh wow, this is how this happened. Hey, American history typically works like this. I mean, obviously, you know, I. I remember I was dating a girl in high school and she lived in Pennsylvania. And I'm not telling you the entire state of Pennsylvania is racist, it's not. But there are some places in Pennsylvania where there's not as much diversity. And in Pennsylvania, she lived in Allentown. She was telling me about the story of the slavery that, that happened. Uh, you know, she was studying about it in, in her history class. And it talked about how slaves were treated so well that they didn't want to leave. There was actually fuss about them wanting to leave because of the fact they were just treated so well by all the masters that they didn't they, they wanted to stay slaves this was actually in a, in a history book she was reading and i mean i i can't tell you how crazy a lot of these stories are and you may think that but you know there's a lot of uh you know the the stories that are coming out now uh, and i can't even think of the movie the watchman where it talks about the uh the tulsa bombings where a lot a lot of people are like i, I can't believe this wasn't studied about in history class, about how all these black businesses were bombed and all these black people were killed in the richest black financial district in America back in the 1920s. I can't believe this isn't studied about, but I can tell you a lot of times revisionist history comes and then we change the way of what actually happened. I'm gonna tell you what is also revisionist history. That Kawhi Leonard has been an elite player for a long period of time. He has not. Everybody tells me about his finals MVP in 2014, and they remember it very fondly about how he just, he played so well. And everybody remembers LeBron James's 2011 finals and how terrible LeBron was in the 2011 finals, which I've crushed him for myself, even as a Le LeBron apologist, as, as I've been called. You realize they basically played the exact same series? 
Like, you, you might think, like, oh, no, there's no way. Kawhi won finals MVP. LeBron was the worst that series. There's no way they played the same series. Both of them averaged 17.8 points per game. LeBron averaged way more rebounds, way more assists. LeBron shot 48% from the field. Kawhi shot 60%. So Kawhi had the advantage there. And both of them were louder for playing great defense. At the time when LeBron was struggling on offense and was being asked questions, he said, I mean, you're not focusing on the fact that I play elite defense and I've been able to hold a lot of these opponents down uh, from their scoring average, which is true. This has happened. But nobody focuses on that. You know why? Because the Spurs won. And because the Spurs won, everybody looks back and says, Kawhi Leonard was so great that finals that even though he played such great defense on LeBron, LeBron averaged 28-7-7 on 59% from the field, but he locked LeBron down. And they forget, first two games of the series, LeBron actually guarded Kawhi. Kawhi had nine points each of the two games. Nine points. But we remember LeBron's eight-point performance, and we say, oh, just choke job how dare you be a star player and not show up in the finals guys Kawhi Leonard is not the best player in the world Kawhi's never been the best player in the world Kawhi wasn't even the best player in the playoffs last year as much as everybody wants to tell you how great Kawhi was and he was great KD was playing better than Kawhi was before he got injured also let's look back at that series which game did Kawhi play great and they won I saw some games Kawhi played great and they lost first game of the series in the finals, Siakam was the guy who had 34 points. Siakam was the guy who was 16 for 19 from the field, I believe was the number. That wasn't Kawhi. Van Vliet got hot another game, closed out most of those games. And they were playing versus the Warriors team without KD, with Iggy banged up, and with Clay missing part of the series. And I'm supposed to believe that since they put up these numbers, this means that Kawhi, you know, because he, he went there by himself, you know, by himself uh, with Toronto. That's supposed to be convincing to me. I mean, that team won 59 games the previous year with, with DeMar DeRozan in that spot. And they added Marcus Gasol in the meantime. And that team went 17-5 last year on games Kawhi sat. But it was just Kawhi. And I'm supposed to believe that because LeBron was injured, and people say, well, what happened after he came back? He came back, he was not healthy. He was not the same. He, he had a Cam Newton injury where Cam got hurt in the Steelers game. And you could literally look at his numbers for, for the rest of the year and be like, wow, Cam was completing 68% of his passes and, you know, high high efficiency, and all of a sudden it just dropped off. That injury, you could clearly tell LeBron was not the same player. And after that, they missed the playoffs. And now I'm supposed to believe that somehow Kawhi, I'm going to elevate him based off of a two-week performance versus, you know, the second half versus the Bucks and a couple games in the Warriors, and that's going to tell me he's the best player in the world? No. Revisionist history is dangerous. Don't bet your money on the Clippers. Don't bet your money on Kawhi. Don't bet your money on anybody but the Lakers. They are 22-3 and three for a reason. Now, let's get into the picks. The reason why you listen to the podcast so you can make the moolah. I got four picks for you this weekend. First, Army-Navy game. Take Army to cover the points. The spread right now is 10.5. Navy's good, but I watched Navy get destroyed by Notre Dame uh, by about 40 points. Navy's not that much better than Army. Army almost beat Michigan. Army almost beat Oklahoma last year. That team has a good defensive line. They are going to be able to at least control some of that running game that, that Navy does. I expect the game to be a, a, a higher scoring game. But because the clock's going to be continuing to run based on the fact that they're going to continue to run the ball and that clock's going to turn, I'm going to expect them not to cover the 10.5 points. 
Go ahead and book me down for Army. The other three games are NFL games I think are pretty easy. First and foremost, Seattle Seahawks come off a loss. They're playing the Carolina Panthers with Kyle Allen, who's playing like Kyle Bowler. Uh, take the Seahawks to cover six and a half points. They will win by at least a touchdown. I know the game's in Carolina, but Carolina the last few weeks has gotten beaten by a gazillion by the Falcons. Then they got beaten down by the Redskins. Then they got beaten again by a gazillion by the Falcons last week. And if we know one thing, the Seahawks are much better than the Falcons. Take the Seahawks to cover six and a half points, especially considering the fact that Russell Wilson has played terrible his last three straight weeks. Count it three straight weeks. So I don't expect that to continue. I'm going to take that as one of the picks. Next game, I get the Houston Texans. I'm getting three, three and a half points, depending on where you go, versus the Titans. Deshaun Watson has lost 12 games in his career prior to last week. In those 12 games, he's followed it up by going 10 and 2. The following game, he has done very well after a loss. The Texans have done very well after a loss. This season, they're 4-0 after a loss. Their only two games he lost were at the beginning of last season when he was coming back from an ACL injury. So, take the Texans to not only cover the three points, but to win the game straight up. I don't see much resistance in the form of the, the Titans. Everybody's really high on Ryan Tannehill. We know who Ryan Tannehill is. Ryan Tannehill is, has played pretty well, but... I don't expect the Texans to be able to give them Derrick Henry to run the ball. They're going to force Ryan Tannehill to try to throw the ball, and I can't count on him as much as I can count on him failing. So count on Deshaun Watson, count on the Houston Texans to win that game straight up. Forget the, the points you got to lay, etc. Last game, Kansas City Chiefs, they're playing the Broncos. Uh, the Broncos are nine-and-a-half-point underdogs. I would tell you to take the, the Broncos plus the nine and a half points. Uh, here's why. Not only did the Broncos blow out the Texans last week, which was laughable performance, uh, they also beat the Chargers the previous week, and Drew, Drew Locke has played pretty well. I'm not going to say he's been Drew Brees, but he, he played great in that game last week. Also, you look at a game where Patrick Mahomes hurt his thumb last week. When he hurt his thumb, if you looked at the second half, they scored three points in the entire second half, and that was on the first drive. They didn't score again. The Broncos' defense has given him trouble in the, in the past. And you look at the fact that they can't run the ball. So if the game is close, they won't be able to salt the game away. Take the Broncos to cover 9.5 points. Book it. Now, check out the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Podbean, Google Play, wherever you can find it. Also, check us out on your so social media platforms, facebook.com forward slash the Amibros. Instagram at Amibros underscore podcast or Twitter at Amibros podcast. Also check out tonight. Don't put any money on this this uh, Ravens-Jets game. 17 points. I don't trust either side. The Ravens could win by 50. They could win by six, um, especially considering Lamar Jackson has a quad injury. Stay away from that game. And I'm out. Peace. Ah!